Greetings and welcome back to another ongoing series of Shirim and Dafiyomi. My name is Yitzchak Shalom. We're now in Masachat Shabbat of Kuf Yod Gimel. I'm going to Aleph at the next Mishnah. Koshun Gliba Psikia Avalo Bachebel. So you're allowed to uh, tie a uh, bucket with a Psikia. We'll see what that is. But not with a Chebel. A Psikia would be something like a belt. The point is that if you're going to use it, uh, afterwards you're going to untie it because you need it as a belt. But not with a Chebel, which is a rope. Rabbi Yehuda Matir, he says you could even use a rope. Let's see what kind of rope this is. And that is the basic rule we've already seen in this podcast. If it is a knot that is not intended to be permanent, it is, there's no chiyuv. And Gemara immediately asks, what kind of rope? If it's a regular rope, Rabbi Yehuda Matir, how could he allow it? After all, you tie it under the pail, you're going to leave it there forever. It must be a weaver's rope which afterwards the weaver is going to untie because he needs to use it after Shabbat. So remember the Rabbanan Savri Gazrin Chevel de Gadi Atu Chevel Dalma. It sounds like the Rabbanan say you can't use a weaver's rope as a gzera against a regular rope. And Rabbi Yudah says there is no such gzera. Well, we have the following challenge. Chevel Dlishinif Sak. If you have a, a pail's rope, the rope of a pail, it got cut off. You don't retie it, you bow it. You take a, a, ro- a, a belt or something else to wrap around it to keep the two parts together, and you can't bow it. So, because the Rabbanan are more lenient. very simple, because they say you would um, confuse one kind of rope with another, and if we allow you to use a rope of a weaver, then you'll use a regular rope. But you uh, will not confuse tying a bow with tying a knot. Rabbiuda says, I'm not concerned as a gzera. I'm just saying that tying, tying a bow is a kshira. There's no gzera here. You could take a rope from your house. And you could tie it onto two sides. This takes us back to the previous podcast and the issue of the clothing and several other items, where you have two sides where you're tying it on, and the concern is you may leave it permanently tied on one. So here you're going to tie one end to the cow and one end to the trough. So this Rabbi Acha challenged Rabbi Abba. If you have a rope that's already on the trough, you could tie it to the cow, or vice versa. As long as you don't bring a rope, and tie it to both, meaning exactly what Rav said you could do, you can't do. So, the answer is very simple. That ruling that says you cannot tie it onto both is a regular rope. Rav was talking about a chevel de gardi that is going to be untied after Shabbat for the weaver. Klikivai is a big structure used for a loom, used for weaving. You're allowed to move it on Shabbat. It's not muktzah. What about the upper layer and the lower layer? Are you allowed to move those also? So in the law of Rav Yudah, he wasn't really sure. Shmuel, Rav Yudah, sorry, was not really sure about the answer. Mutar Rasur. Itmar. So Rav Nachman reported the name of Shmuel that it is Mutar, including the ones that Rav Yudah wasn't so sure about. Avalok etamudin, but not the pillars that are used to hold it up. 
I'm gonna, and the point of all of this is these are things that are fairly uh, considered stationary because they're so big that they don't get moved. We'll see more about that in a minute. I'm going to rub it of Nachman. So Rabbi asked, Why can't you move the pillars, but you can move the upper and lower uh, structures? Is, is the concern that you're going to make holes when you move these pillars in your house? We're talking about a dirt floor, of course. But the, 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 the holes are going to just happen on their own. They're not they're rushing Kabait. There's a Mishnah in Kilayim. And if you bury a radish and, uh, or, uh, or turnips underneath the, um, underneath the vine. So the problem here is, of course, Kilayim. If some of the leaves are sticking out, then there's no Kilayim problem. There's no Shvit problem. There's no Maser problem. And you can take them out on Shabbat. And we're not concerned about making a hole. So the answer is, Basadel Lati Gumot. In the field, you're not going to even them out and then violate Choresh. Here in the house, after you pick up the Amudin, you're going to throw it in and violate Choresh. Okay. He asked him. So they asked the same question. So their ruling was, you cannot carry it. It sounds a little bit circular, but the point here is, since these things are never moved because they're so big and heavy, therefore they really have a permanent spot. And therefore, you can't move them. Now, we're going to get to this a lot more in Tuparkin when we start taking apart the laws of the Surtiltu, what's commonly called Muktza. The Kaplina Takilin, the next Mishnah. We've moved away from Kshira, from tying. And I move to the issue of folding clothes. You're allowed to fold clothes even four or five times. You're allowed to make the bed Friday night, or you're allowed to make the bed Shabbat morning. You can't make it, meaning if you can take a nap on Shabbat, but you can't make it Shabbat as a preparation for Saturday night. Now we enter into the very famous area of Hachana. He says, if Yom Kippur theoretically were on a Friday, which in our calendar can't be, you could fold clothes and you could make the bed from Yom Kippur for Shabbat. If Yom Kippur was on Sunday, the fats of the Korban on Shabbat could be offered up on Yom Kippur. But if Yom Kippur was on Friday, you could not offer up the fats of Yom Kippur that are left over on Shabbat. Rabbi Akiva disagrees and says, Neither can be offered on either day. All right, I'm going to be Rabbi Let's go back to the clothes. You can fold clothes, that's only if it's one person. But if it's two people folding the clothes, you can't do it because it looks like tikkun hakli. It's a real job. Even one person, only new clothes. It will be shanim when there's already a fold. Even new clothes, only white clothes. If they're colored, not. And by the way, this is only if you don't have any other clothes to wear. In other words, to put on for Shabbat, nice clothes. Well, yesh lachli flo. Then if you could put something else on, then put something else on and leave these unfolded. Tana, So house, they were wealthy, they wouldn't fold, even the individuals would not fold their white clothes, the one person, because they had something to change into. This is now not an issue of folding clothes, it's generally about Big Day Shabbat. If you have something nice to put on, put it on. 
If you don't, then you shall shall be gadag. You should lower the clothes, make them look a little bit more fancy. Take the same tunic and lower it a little bit, and uh, sort of look a little different for Shabbat. It looks like haughtiness. The answer is, since you don't do it every day, you're just doing it today. It does not look like haughtiness. And now we're going to enter into some of the issues of Kvod and Onig Shabbat. The Pasuk in Yishayahu, one of the few Pasukim in the Nevi'im that deals with Halacha, at the end of Perak Nunchet, in Tashim Shabbat Aglacha, Sot Chavatzecha, Biyom Kodshim, Akaratel HaShabbat Oneg, We'll start near the end. You should honor the day of Shabbat by abstaining from doing your normal things. You have to have different clothes for Shabbat. Rabbi Yochanan used to refer to his clothes as his honor. You shouldn't walk the same way. Let's see what that means. What does that mean? You're not allowed to engage in personal business. We'll see more about this later. Uh, but those things which are for the cause of heaven, for instance, etc., you're allowed to engage in on Shabbat. Uh, they're talking about business. What's that? You shouldn't speak the same way on Shabbat as you do on, during the week. Now, so you're not allowed to speak the same way, but you can think about whatever you want to think about, and you can even deliberately think about it, and focus on uh, calculating in your head how much something is going to cost, or something you want to do Saturday night. Thinking here, who is not asur. Now, now we examine this piece, and say, all of them make sense, what does it mean to walk differently? So the answer is, Let's say you're walking on Shabbat and you encounter a little stream. If you can reach over so that your one leg will reach the other side before you have to pick up the, the back leg, then you can walk over. If not, then you can't, because you can't take big steps on Shabbat. What do we want the guy to do? Lake off? You want him to walk all the way around? Come up, and he's walking extra. And that's more work on Shabbat. You want him to cross over? Then maybe his clothes will get wet. It might squeeze them out. In this case, you really don't have a choice. You could jump over it. It's what Rebbe asked to his colleague, Rebbe Yossi. Are you allowed to take a big step on Shabbat? Just stop, not to cross the river. You're not allowed to even do that during the week. A big step takes away some of your eyesight. And you could restore it with the Kiddush by drinking the wine of the Kiddush of Friday night. Rabbi asked a similar question to Rabbi Shwab Rabbi Yossi. He basically was trying to find out what Rabbi Yossi had ruled. Some people thought that eating dirt might be helpful if they were sick. Since when are you allowed to do that even on Chol? It's bad for you. Anybody who eats the dirt of Babel, it's like he's eating the flesh of his ancestors. Like he's eating vermin. God wiped out everything, and um, 
and uh, it ended up in that place called Shinar. As we'll see, I'm just talking. So many questions about Shinar. Why is Bagal called Shinar in uh, the story of the Migdal and afterwards? All of the dead of the Mabul got pushed over there. So you're eating all of these disgusting things and eat that dirt. Again, why you want to eat the dirt? Beyond me. Why is the depth called Mitzulah? All the dead of the Mabul sunk down there. They were all wiped out, so why is it like you're eating Shkatsir Masim? There's nothing left, it's thousands of years ago. Since Since this stuff is bad for you, the Rabbana made example. It wasn't because of Shkatsim Masim, it was because it's just bad for you. Daru uh, Gavra, there's a story about a guy, the Achal Gargishta, he ate some dirt, Rachal Tachli, then he ate some Shichlayim, some roots. Rachal Tachli, believe it or not, they grew inside of him and then he killed him. And eating dirt's a bad idea. Okay, now we're going to go back to the issue of clothes um, and take a look at a sugya in the Gilat Rut. Naomi in Perakimel tells Ruth to bathe and put on perfume and put on her fancy dress and go down and seduce Boaz. Boaz or Elub Gadim Shal Shabbat. Meaning put on your finest clothes. That's a reference to Gadim Shal Shabbat. And now we're going to have a lengthy Agadam about the whole story of Ruth. Give something to the wise man and become even wiser. A wise person takes information and makes more wisdom out of it. It's a reference to Ruth and Shmuel. Ruth, why? Naomi told her to get all primed and pruned and then go down to the Goren. But Ruth herself actually went down there first and then she did all of that, realizing that she'd be in a lot better shape and more attractive. She did in that order. And what's a shmuel? The ilu eli kamaleish chavayayin kray lechav matzah daber adonaiki shomayav decha. But when Shmuel was having his first nivur on Paragimel, and he kept thinking that it was Eli calling him, and he kept running to Eli's bed. After three times, Eli figured out what was going on and told him that when the voice comes to him again, he should say daber Hashem. And the ilu b'dileitiv be'vayavu Hashem yatzavei krap b'kam fam shmuel shmuel vayomer shmuel daber kishomayav decha v'lomar daber Hashem. Shmuel did not add in Shem Hashem because he was concerned maybe that it really isn't and he didn't want to use Shem Hashem Levatala. Okay, back to root in Bet, when it talks about root in the field. She went to different fields until she found people who were appropriate to be with. When Boaz showed up mid-morning, he took a look at this uh, the people who were harvesting, the poor people who were picking up the gleanings, and he asked the foreman who, to who this girl belongs. What's Boaz looking at this young girl for? So one uh, explanation is he saw wisdom. She only picked up the proper amount between there were two stalks that fell, but not three. Manita Tanadvatsnut Raba, something else, which is he saw her tsanua. Omdot meumad meflot miushav. That if she was picking things that were standing up, she would stand up. If they were fallen, she wouldn't bend over, she would cramp, uh, crouch down, so not to expose herself. 
And then Boaz told her, uh, called her over and said, I know the great chesed to be done with Naomi, and I want you to stay in my field and stay with my girls. Why is Boaz involved in this? Boaz learned that even though Orpah had turned away from Ruth, from Naomi, Ruth stayed with her, back in Parak Aleph. This is a girl who's worth being close to. In the same word, Boaz added, not only she could stay in the field, and please stay in the field, but at the time of eating, in the mid-morning, he said, come over here, and he gave her some food, etc. It was an illusion. You're going to be the mother of monarchy. And what does it say about David? So David, um, in his tefillah, after Hashem told Nathan to tell him he could not build the Beit HaMikdash, came with his beautiful tefillah, and he said, you brought me all the way to this point, Ad Halom, an allusion back to roots Halom. Back to Boaz, Boaz told uh, Ruth, to take her bread and dip it in chometz. It's probably something like chumus, but here we're reading it as chometz. When there's uh, hot conditions, vinegar's pretty a good thing to have. You're going to have a descendant who's going to come out whose behavior is going to be as bad as vinegar. This is Menashe, of course, the evil king of Yehuda, who's a direct descendant of David and whose institution in Avodah Zarah ultimately led to the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash. She sat down next to the harvesters, even though she's a gleaner, a poor person. She said, next to them, but not in the middle. There was an illusion that David's kingdom is not going to remain whole. And then Boaz gave her some toasted corn she ate. He made David, and then Batisba, she was satisfied. He made Shlomo, Batotar, and something was left over. That's an illusion of Chizkiah. Because Rebbe is also a descendant, and the idea was that there were all of these great leaders going to come out of this union of Ruth and Boaz. Rebbe's horseman, or the head of his stables, was wealthier than Shapur the king. In other words, Rebbe was very, very, very wealthy. As they do, was David and Shlomo and Chizkiah and Rebbe were all very wealthy people. And that's alluded to in the food that um, uh, that uh, that Boaz gave Ruth. V'tachat kvodo yekad yekod ki yekod esh. We now have this pasuk in uh, in Yeshayahu um, about uh, kavod. In place of his kavod, there is going to be a great conflagration. Amr B'yochan and Tachak Vodom means V'lok Vodom Amash, not his kavod itself. B'yochan and Tamed, B'yochan Karlamani Mechabdute. He said, kavod, that's your quote. Razor Amr B'tachak Vodom means Tachak Vodom Amash, really means in place of your kavod. Because he doesn't say kavod is your quote. Shuram Rachmani Amr Tachak Vodom ki srefat b'nei Aharon. They're going to be burned up like b'nei Aharon. Uh, and this is, of course, Yishayahu is Nivuah about, uh, about the king of Ashur being destroyed. Just like with Nadav and Avihu, the Shemot were burned out and the bodies were still there. The same will happen here. 
How do we know that the idea of changing clothes for an occasion is a significant idea in the Torah? To change his clothes and put on other clothes. That teaches you something. The clothes you use to cook for your Rebbe, should not be the ones that you use to present a cup of wine to. Meaning, you're working in dirty work, change them for cleaner work. So the Kohen who did the Trumatadesh, which is kind of messy, should change. So here we see the idea of It's degrading for a to walk out with patched shoes. He did. What we mean is patches on top patches. That's really degrading. And again, it's all socially uh, relative. depends on what the con- con- context is or what people can really wear. If you have a Talmud Chacham who has a smudge of food, like fat on a beged, chayav mitah. Why? All those who hate me love death. Don't read those who hate me, those who make others hate me. Meaning, people see a Talmud Chacham walking around like that, and that, does, that brings people to degrade the HaGodosh Baruch it's not a revad, which is fat, but rather revad, which is again a, uh, a patch. Um, meaning, uh, the top garment, you have to be concerned about any sort of, uh, of, uh, stain. But the inner garment, well, then you have to, um, then you have to be concerned with a ketem. Revad here evidently means a, uh, a blood spot. ברכיבה if it's smaller than it's not. If it's on a garment, it's only one side of the garment, it's not chotzeitz. If it goes all the way through, it is. Even on one side, it's a chotzeitz. We asked What do you think about the saddle blanket? Does that have to be on both sides or even one side of chotzeitz? I didn't hear. A tradition on that, I heard something similar. None. We have a Mishnah. Rabbi Yossi Omer, Shobanaim Mitzar Echad, Rabbi Shobua Mishnah Tzadim. We'll see what Banaim is, but um, in that uh, same Mishnah in uh, in Mikvaot, it says that the clothes of Banaim, uh, even if there's a uh, stain on one side, a fat on one side, it's Chotzeitz, and it's a simpleton, an ignorant person, Two sides. And that certainly is not more important than an Amaharetz's thing, which means that um, that you need both sides of the Medat to be Chotzeitz. My Banaim, so again, what are the Banaim, literally builders? These are scholars who are always involved in building the world. That's why they call that, you could tell, because the opposite is boor, an ignorant person. 
what there's a halacha in in, uh, in Hashavat Aveda. Normally, we need simanim, but certain people are so trusted that if they say, "I recognize that," we give it back to them. That's a tamer chacham. What kind of tamer chacham is that? He's very careful to wear his garments right side out and not to look slumpy. So, but a Talmud Chacham, who we're going to appoint him as leader of the community, this is somebody who has to have a total bekiyut in all areas of halacha, even in Masachet Kala, which is one brighta, has to know it all. There's such a thing as Talmud Chacham that the people in the city should take care of him and do his work. This is somebody who himself devotes himself 100% to Chavzei Shemayim. And that, all that means is that uh, the people of the community um, should um, should help him with uh, bread, you know, with basic needs, not building a palace. somebody who you ask him halacha in any area of halacha, and he could tell you. So it's in order to appoint him as a leader. If he knows anything in one Masachet, then he can be a local leader. If he knows all of the Mishnayot and Braitot, then you can make him Rish Matifta, the head of the of the academy. Rav Shemun Lakish disagrees with the interpretation of what the Kelim Shabbanaim are. He says, it's not Tamil Chacham's clothes, but rather, El Kelim Ha'ul Yarin, Ul Yarin are bathhouse attendants, Ba'in Tayam, that come from Come from the islands. The name of the Chivrinu, so you, that sounds like they're white. V'yama lehu Rabbi Yannai told his sons, "When you bury me, don't bury me in white clothes or in black clothes." Levanim shemaloyz can't, because if I don't make it, I'll be like a chatan among the mourners in the other place. Shchorim shemaloyz can't be like a ben achatanim. Don't wear him black, because then I'll be like a mourner among bridegrooms in the good place. Right, so therefore, so you see that they're red or some other color. So the outer garment is red or whatever, but the inside garment is white. Okay, we'll stop at this point. We'll pick it up with the last podcast in this parak with Rabbi Shmuel's halacha uh, about uh, preparation from Yom Kippur to Shabbat. In the meantime, we wish everybody a wonderful.